right, everyone. How are you doing? I'm Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast, and here with me I have a fellow Michiganer. Uh, how are you doing, man? Good, Sergio. Thanks for having me on. I think it's Michigander, actually. Michigander? Yeah. There's no D at the end of Michigan. I know, but if you uh, – I grew up, and we were always called ourselves Michiganders. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Well, that's going to be another argument for another time. Um, <laughs> all right, Wolverines. So- we're Wolverines. That's – no doubt. There we go. There we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> uh, so let these people know who you are, man. Hey everyone, I'm Frank Majorana. I am a former Doom Dodgeball team member. I'd like to start with that. Uh, but if we had a 2021 season, I would be playing open with Heat Dodgeball, the uh, three-time defending national champions for 2019, 2020, and 2021. And then for co-ed a new team called hive coming to you in 2022 um so really excited about those teams and being on those teams today wait what's the new team you said hive yes hive is a new co-ed team with myself vince marchbanks connor lou uh we've got demonte cleveland in and then uh, our girls shelby uh casey and Emmy, who are all excellent. So we're really excited to get that team out there and playing competitively. Oh, man, I can't wait to see what that looks I mean, on paper, that looks really great. Can't wait to see what it looks like on court and executed. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so to kind of give the listeners um, an idea, I've known Frank, geez, I feel kind of old for about <laughs> almost 11 years now. I met him in 2011. He always... I, 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 I probably will admit this now. You always had this like kind of Bart Simpson haircut kind of thing. Yeah, like, that's fair. Your hair always stood up and it almost, it, I'm not going to say it. You're, you always have good hair, whether you're playing or not. Like it's just, what's the secret to the hair, man? I appreciate that. I did not always have uh, a decent haircut. I, I'm flattered by that, but I look back at the pictures now and I'm just like, what was I thinking? But I worked for a long time at a company called Salon Republic, which is a, we work for beauty stylists. And so I walked in, I had no fashion sense. I had no idea how to cut my hair. And here I am working at a company that is focused on beauty and haircuts. And so one of the stylists one day said to me, Hey, come see me. I'm going to cut your hair for free. And this was someone who does celebrities and does the bachelor contestants. So I was like, sure, of course, I won't say no to that. And he cut my hair and he flat ironed it. And I had the pointy top as you're talking about the faux hawk. And so that set me on a new direction, um, which I've only just recently let go of. I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm 36 and I'm, I just don't need to be flat ironing and hairspraying my hair every day. Um, so I'm just going a more natural route, but that was the origin of the uh, freaky baby haircut. All right. So, um, I mean, I know I haven't seen you in over a year, but I've seen you, you know, post pics or whatever, and you clearly have not aged. So I will say that. Um, Thank you, brother. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> but getting back to dodgeball, um, let's get some preliminaries out of the way. Uh, what's your jersey number and what, what's the story behind it? So my jersey number is 33. And the reason I chose 33 is because the last time the Dodgeball Tribune had rankings, I was the number 33 player. So it's always a reminder to me that while I had moved up from the year before, my goal was to always keep getting better and keep making that ranking uh, even lower. So um, 
that's where it comes from. Oh, okay. Um, well, you mean ranking higher, but the number low. That's right. Number lower, <laughs> ranking higher. I wanted to move Got it up it. in the rankings. Okay. All right. Just, it just caught that. Um, and I kind of want to like get, get a little detail about that. So the Dodgeball Tribune, I want to say, geez, was it three and a half years ago now? Yeah. Tyler Greer ran the site and <clears throat> he rolled out a crowdsourced ranking system that uh, released rankings. And I think the first year I was somewhere around 42, number 42. And then I had moved to number 33 the last year that he did the rankings. So uh, that's the reason why I chose that number. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just to kind of break down for the international uh, audience, because uh, we are global people, um, it's kind of like a ELO system that we have here. Um, for anyone who plays League of Legends, um, Frank would be considered a high ELO um, dodgeball player because uh, out of 33 that's out of 100 total players in all four regions represented so just want to give that little tidbit there um, <laughs> so when did you start playing uh, dodgeball so I started the same year that I met you in 2011 oh wow. I was at a fourth of July party I still remember I met Carrie Binkley who used to play and, and live in Hollywood and so I had grown up playing dodgeball in elementary school and in middle school played at the Boys and Girls Club when I went there in the summers. And so when I moved out to LA and after I went to college, I hadn't played in a decade. And so met Carrie at a party and a couple of other dodgeball people were there and they said, you know, we have an open gym at Hollywood Rec Center on Cole Street on Wednesday nights, you should come play. And so I went that next week and played for the first time and was totally taken with the sport. I got bit by the bug of dodgeball and I have been playing ever since then but if you were there during that time it was special to be in Cole, Cole is such a dirty gym but it was a, a huge group of people it was maybe 20 25 on each side and I didn't know any different so I'm walking in the room and just seeing all these grown-ups playing dodgeball and I thought this is the coolest thing ever um, and one of my inspirations, I know this is a question for later, but when I walked in that first night, super Dave was in his prime. I mean, he, this is when he was just full maniac doing the Tebow kneeling at half court before he threw the ball sky high into the curtains behind the stage. Um, he, you'd throw at him and he'd react and go, Whoa. And then he'd get the ball and run up and go, how are you doing? And then light you up in your chest. I was like, who is this guy? Who are these characters? Uh, so Dave was like the first, Super Dave was like the first big influence on me from just a community perspective in dodgeball. And I know we're going to talk about, you know, who I model my game after. And there's been other influences more prominent in that way. But just that first night when I walked in, I thought, I thought this is the coolest thing ever. I have to keep doing this. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned it um i wasn't there at the fourth but yeah i can describe for everyone there um hollywood hollywood rec center on cole street was pretty much the mecca of dodgeball in los angeles um yeah the gym wasn't clean to say the least but there was something special about whenever you showed up there whether you were playing no sting or 8.5 it was some. It, it felt like the most friendliest gym in a way uh, even though like we were going ham on each other for about two hours and 
yeah, you had like 50 people on the court at one point. It, it was just, and plus that gym is relative uh, location relative to like nearby bars. So after that, we could all just walk to whatever bar was on Hollywood Strip at the time. Uh, yeah, a, lot, I, a lot has changed. <laughs> I agree with what you said in that the vibe was just so friendly and fun. It was easy to make friends. I had people approach me, maybe not the first week, but within the first few weeks, people like Nick Law and Nick Wexler coming up and talking to me and say, hey, you know, where do you play? You know, you need to come play in these leagues. And so uh, it was just such a special time in, in dodgeball as it was just starting to get going, at least for me in my career. I know a lot of other people have played for much longer and played in other leagues, but the first time that I joined a league was because the Hollywood Coal Open Gym was about to end. It was the off season for World Dodgeball Society. So it was just open gyms on Wednesday night and the league was starting up. And someone said, you know, if you want to keep coming here on Wednesday nights, you'll need to set, sign up for the league. And I didn't know any better, but I signed up for an 8.5 league called the Charles Bronson. And this is, uh, I was told this later. So Nicole Chasen was the captain. It was the draft league. And she told me later that I was a last round draft pick that year. So it ended up being uh, myself, uh, Terry Murphy, Ryan McCainian, and Robert Steele with Nicole, Rebecca, and then a girl named Molly who was on our team. And we ended up winning the entire league. And I thought this is just absolutely the best ever. And I have to keep playing more and more. That's some throwback names right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it really is. And for Nicole to, to tell you that you would be a uh, last round draft pick, uh, can't <laughs> say that that would be the case going into the hopeful uh, new season 2022 for sure. I would hope you, so. Yeah, no, uh, do not disrespect this man, you know, draft him as early as you can. Um, <laughs> so this is going to sound kind of silly, but do you remember the first time we met? I don't. Okay. So we met kind of like in passing in uh, 2011, we played an open gym. We didn't formally meet, but I kind of knew who you were. Um, so flash forward to 2012, um, I actually had the courage to ask you your name and everything. And I think you had on like a Michigan blue jersey and that obviously caught my attention uh, coming from Detroit. And you're like, hey, I'm Frank. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, bonus for the shirt and everything. And <laughs> This is going to sound kind of messed up, but you actually gave me my first broken thumb. <laughs> Playing no thing. Yeah. Um, I remember going for a rebound, and I can't remember, like, how my hand – like, I was going for it, like, catching a football, and somehow, like, the rubber – when you threw – I think you were countering, um, countering the throw. I obviously had my eye on the ball. The rubber wrapped around the, my um, – my right thumb and like pulled it back. <laughs> and the reason I remember it was not because of just that, but you had the presence of mind to go up to, I believe Tori was running the open gym in Melrose. And you gave me an ice pack as soon as you realized what had happened. So I'm like, okay, this guy says really, He's a, he's a great player, but you know he's also a great person too. So I just wanted to give you that <laughs> you know, that story. I don't know if you remember it or not, but that that really meant a lot to me. I don't I don't remember that story, man. But that warms my heart. I, I really appreciate you <laughs> refreshing my mind. No, I'm serious. And you know, I know one of the questions on here in this format is what is your legacy? What do you want it to be? And that's essentially it. Is are people left 
better from knowing me or having an interaction with me than when they uh, were, were existing just a few minutes before. And, you know, certainly I'm, I'm sure I had my aggro moments as a, as a young dodgeball player, but I hope that as I got older, I had some more of those experiences that you're talking about where I always took it upon myself to remember people's names and to remember what's going on in their lives and their kids and where they're moving and how they're living. And so um, that story that you just told me is uh, really kind and, re and encouraging to me. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I'm glad because you've always been such a huge part of dodgeball. I mean, everybody knows who you are uh, out on the court and, you know, you've always given it a hundred percent effort. I've always respected the energy you show up every time and man, you are out there lit, ready to go and into it, no matter what the game is. So um, the feeling is mutual, my man. Thank you. Um, I mean, I would hope everyone knows who I am, but <laughs> But thank you. No, that means a lot. Um, so getting back to your story, obviously you have what I call the rookie of the year, you know, winning with Nicole Chasen and a bunch of L.A. OGs that uh, you just mentioned there. Um, when was your first elite? I remember you started off with Riot. Do you remember what year that was or what round? Not off the top of my head, but I do remember that Mark Akam had approached me about playing in the elite circuit and my first interaction with an elite tournament was I had showed up to a Saturday open gym at Stoner Rec over in West LA. And I live, I've lived in, on the West side for, you know, for what is it? I moved out to LA in 2007. So it's been 14 years of living on the West side between Venice, Culver city, and now Brentwood for the last eight. So I would go to Saturday open gyms at Stoner Rec and, one Saturday, the organizer of Open Gym had forgot that Elite had booked the venue for a round. And so I showed up and I watched and I didn't quite know much about it, but I did see Mark there. And I think he saw me and that I hadn't you know, played on any teams just yet. And so he recruited me on to Riot. And the first round I ever played at was in Torrance at the Galaxy soccer center, which we are all very much familiar with here in LA as being a, a typical venue to host. And I really enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the competition and the elevated level. Now I was nowhere near ready to play at that level. And just the organization and the intelligence that so many teams have, and we all remember the doom and rise rivalry and team evil and, uh, a lot of other teams that had had more experience and coming on to riot. I, I didn't know much about how to organize or play as a team. I mostly was known as an arm and played no sting in WDS leagues. So coming up to elite was a whole nother level of experience, but for the first, you know, three, four years of my dodgeball experience, I was committed to riot, wanted to make it better, wanted to be smarter and tried to watch as many other organized and winning teams and adopt the way that they played so that we could get better uh, as uh, as team riot yeah uh so you mentioned something i was going to actually ask you about um you started off predominantly in no sting how long did it take you to adjust to the 8.5 ball not so much the game but the ball itself yeah 
it took some time to figure out how I could hold it the best. And I eventually settled on a method where I tape the majority of my finger um, from where the finger meets your palm all the way to the tip. And once I had figured out that taping method, it gave me a little bit of a better grip to throw the ball. And that's kind of when playing clicked for me because at the start, I was kind of pushing the ball, my ball, I couldn't grip the ball all the way around. And so I was trying gripping spray and maybe just going uh, hand with no tape. And, and I experimented with a couple different tapes. And so eventually I settled on a brand that fits my hand really well. And once I could grip the ball and throw it the way that I could throw a, a no sting ball or a foam ball, then I was starting to you know, being able to make better plays and being more of a, a help to my team. So I'd say it took, it took a couple, I, I would say it took a year to really understand how to throw the 8.5 ball um, before I really started to feel comfortable with it. And how long, were you, uh, I think you mentioned it before, but how long were you on uh, Riot for? I don't know the exact number of years, <laughs> but I know there were at least three years on Riot. And I have nothing but great memories being on Riot and that team. It really was my introduction to elevated and elite level competition of dodgeball. And Mark, I am you know, so thankful for him to identify me as you know, being someone who would work well on a team and be recruited. And so, um, you know, we are always trying to get better and we are always just on the cusp. I remember one year when we were playing around in Phoenix, we had finished third place and that's when we had Ketchum and Chris Bell and Tyler Greer and myself with Mark and Dave. So we had really, you know, thought that we had turned a corner. And unfortunately, we just didn't ever quite put it together to be on that top two level. Um, but I will have nothing but great memories and experiences uh, that I walk away with from that team experience. Yeah, uh, I remember that round, too. Uh, I want to say this was, what, 2016? Because I think that was the last. That was, that was the first round that, no, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I was going to say that's the first round that Doom ended up surpassing Rise, but I think it was actually a year later um, that Riot finished third. So I'm mixing up my rounds there. Yeah, I, I might be too. But but I just remember thinking like, okay, this team might, might turn the corner. Um especially, you know, beating out Team Evil in their home turf and stuff like that. It's just like, this team might turn the corner. And I always, like, looked at it, and um, before before uh, we continue on with your story, I always looked at you as one of the players who, I mean, prior to, obviously, winning, you, in my, in my mind, in my eyes, you were one of the best players, you know, not to just, you know, not to win a round, but to not to win the national title. And eventually you would end up doing that. Um, kind of like, you know, you, you know, people would look at Grant Hill. What would he be if he wasn't injured all the time? Or D. Rose, you know, like you're, there was a, in my mind, like being a nerd, you, you had that potential as a player. But I always felt like if he can just make it, his career wouldn't be a what if. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. I, I saw that potential in you as a player. And um, I can say having played against you, having played with you a few times, you just have an IQ for the game and a willingness to, to be a team oriented player. Uh, and that's just something I wanted to point out there. 
So before we continue on with your story with Riot, um, you said you played dodgeball growing up in like boys and girls clubs and stuff like that. Did you have any other sports background uh, growing up? Yeah, so I played soccer for the most part as hey. a kid. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so as a youth, I played American Youth Soccer Organization. Um, just as in my community league growing up in Michigan in Macomb County, we'd play in, in city leagues and um, and then in high school, I ended up being a, a varsity soccer athlete, but that was the extent of it. Um, I always loved to throw. And so my throwing motion was largely baked in through baseball. I played baseball up until high school and uh, I, I was usually a third baseman. And I didn't really understand it at the time, but I think I do now is because I had the arm to get the ball over to first base as, as an early teenager. So um, those kind of two sports shape me into, you know, just the way that my body works today. Uh, and, but it lent itself well to dodgeball because dodgeball is a mix of significant or uh, a significant aerobic workout with you know, with a dedicated need to arm strength and hand-eye coordination uh, and, the, you know, and the catching ability too is just so critical. So I think those two sports lent itself well to where I am today in dodgeball. Yeah, uh, I would say. I mean, with certain players, you don't want them throwing from the back line uh, simply because the distance is wider and you can obviously redirect your body to catch it. But you definitely have that kind of pass where you can do that and you just still have that same speed, same kind of velocity to do some damage or force someone to, you know, get out the way. You've always been very, um, I say you've always been as if this is past tense, but as far as I can recall, you've always been accurate with your throw. Like maybe a few Aaron throws here and there, but fewer than most that I can recall. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. (laughs) I pride myself on that. I I've uh, been teased by people like Brittany Masro who say my throw is too straight. It's like an arrow. It's too straight. I know exactly where it's going and I don't have enough movement on it. So uh, I've received positive feedback like yours and then the uh, constructive criticism from others. Um, But I do think it's really important to locate the ball um, outside of the catch radius of some incredible catchers that we have in this game. And, th- and that includes people like Brittany Mastro, Ashley Cook, who are like ridiculous catchers. And you can't throw the ball down the middle. You throw a meatball down the middle, uh, these people are going to catch you. Lauren Hoffman is another one that pops into my head who's just like just so awesome and is deceivingly great. Um, so I think it's so important to – to locate the ball on the corners for people um, hit people on the back pedal and make sure that you're being accurate there. There are certain situations as you're playing where you can be a little bit less accurate as long as the ball is on the person. Uh, Like I mentioned the back pedal, if someone turns to pick up a ball, if you can get it there in a hurry, uh, you can be a little bit less accurate, but for the most part, if, as we're talking about with, uh, U.S. dodgeball and our circuit that we play, if there's six people on the court and it's your turn to throw the ball, you need to locate it in an area that is going to be the most effective for your team. Yeah. Um, I know uh, you mentioned Brittany. She she kind of teases you for it as far as you always know where it's going to go, but at the same time, like the way you throw, it's kind of like uh, Mike Tyson. Yeah, you know where it's going to go, but what are you going to do about it? <laughs> If, if it's powerful enough to, you know, pop out of your bread basket, 
or if you blink a, se- a certain second, like, yeah, you know where it's going to go, but what are you going to do about it? Yeah, and I've tried to make some adjustments in the throw as I have gone along in my career with a little bit more of a, a hip turn. And this is something that Clutch Chris uh, has mentioned to me in the past is that when I throw, I open up so widely that it's tough to know exactly where the ball is going. Now, once I release it, it's pretty straight, but I've tried to make some adjustments in my game so that when I do wind up to throw, it's not immediately apparent who I'm throwing at uh, just before I release it. So I, I try to uh, throw across my body in a minimal amount of way, but uh, to make sure that the power, you know, the speed to power ratio is powering through the throw and through the person uh, when I let it go. All facts. Um, I would love to see, I would love to see how that uh, adjustment plays once we start playing again. Um, but yeah, wait, you know, Give props to Chris for giving you that uh that little tidbit of advice. Absolutely. Um, so, how was it like when you were approached to play for Doom? Arguably, they're um, the best team of the decade uh, between 2010 and 2018. I guess when they last played together. Um, I know you you guys, you know, not butted heads, but like had a rivalry as far as like trying to, you know, overtake the mountain. How was it like getting that uh, nod as far as joining them? Yeah. So I never really had a rivalry against the Doom guys. In fact. We all became, I became friends with, when I was on Riot, I should say, let me, let me step back. When I was on Riot, I became really good friends with a lot of the Doom guys. And actually, Terry Murphy, who was on Doom, joined Riot to play uh, for the Ultimate Dodgeball Championships at Sky Zone. So we had some crossover there and we had some success as a team. We made the top four in, I believe it was 2014 or 2015 So I had some crossover friendship there with Terry uh, and that, you know, continued to blossom with the rest of the guys. And especially those nights at the bar after the tournament, when we're all just kind of uh, socializing, you know, I, I would buy shots for the guys just to celebrate uh, their win Uh, when they won the UDC. uh, And we all went to, they ended up going to Dave and Buster's just to play video games. I went over and celebrated with them. And so it was more of a friendship building from the time I joined Rise that made that transition, I think, a bit easier for everyone involved, for me and for for Doom, uh, to bring me on board because we had been friends for so long before that. And so when I, in the summer of 2016, I had left Riot after uh, New Orleans um, and, you know, Mark and I talked and everything is totally cool between us. I don't, I don't have any hard feelings. I know he doesn't either. Um, you know, it was just time for Riot to, you know, start anew. And I honestly was not planning to play on any open team that season. Um, there was a fit expo in Anaheim that summer, and I was invited to play on uh, just a, a throw off team called grips and Justin Pine was on it. And he had mentioned to me, he started to recruit me onto Echo. Uh, Brett at the time uh, was planning to relocate to the East Coast and he was Justin was gonna have an open spot. And so he asked if I'd be interested in playing on the co-ed team. Now, Echo had just won the national championship. So that was a pretty easy yes. And um, so I went into round one in 2017 which was played at the Galaxy Center, just being on a co-ed team. I had no open team 
uh, at all. And while I had been recruited by some teams, I just, I had a desire to get into a winning situation. And I don't think enough teams had known that riot had broken up and I wasn't on an open team anymore. So I went to the round just to watch and I wasn't on any team. And then in the co-ed division, I played with Echo, with Ketchum and Terry and Justin, Joe Colella, and then uh, of course, Nicole Chasen, as I mentioned before, and Kate Gong. So I think through that playing experience with Justin and uh, with Echo overall, and Echo ended up winning round one. We, we won that round against Rainbows in the finals in a, in a really, uh, really good match. And after that, as we're approaching round two, I, I believe Justin passed the word to uh, the Dune guys that I was available and didn't have an open team. And uh, round two that year was in San Jose. If you'll remember, there was an indoor roller hockey rink that we played at, and that was my first invitation to play with zoom because uh, they were going to have two players out. So Terry was missing. And then ish who had temporarily relocated to Idaho uh, was going to be flying in late. So uh, I got a message and Nate said, Hey, do you want to like just sub in with us for this round? I can't promise anything more than that, but um, if you want to play with us, the spot is yours. And of course you, you say yes to doom. There's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no debating it whatsoever. And so we went in and, and we won that round. And I think it was a natural fit just seeing the way that they played and how I fit as a part of that. Uh, my goal, that tournament just wasn't, uh, was to do, to, was to try not to do too much and to just let those guys, do what they do. And I was so surprised by the intelligence with which they play the game and the simplicity of the play calls. Uh, Just if you haven't been in a doom or a rise huddle before you all come together and all there is is one name. It's like, okay, Vince, and that's it. And everybody walks out and we know what to do. Um, And that surprised me. And just the intelligence of, supporting one another and defending and pump faking and all the things that I always wanted uh, to do on the court were already being done by this team. So uh, that was the origin of the story. And I'll pause there. If you'd like me to keep going, um, I I will, but uh, that was how I got recruited on the Doom. I mean, yeah, it seemed like a perfect fit. Um, Even from a distance, it just seemed like a perfect fit. Uh, You, you, I, I look at Doom like a family. I look at, and, and they mentioned it too. I, I kind of look at uh, Vince as like Dominic Toretto. Like there's yeah. this thing about him where it's like he might bring an eclectic group of people that may not fit anywhere else, but they fit with him. Yeah. And it, him and Nate, I should say, because it felt like they were both like the leaders of the team. Um, but it, it felt like you were, you were part of a family at that point. Absolutely. As far as I'm- the, yeah. The, the chemistry on that team was palpable everybody liked each other we go out to the bars together afterward we we go over each other's houses and hang out in LA outside of dodgeball and I agree with your point on Vince I think once once you're in with Vince you are part of the family and he would always be so kind enough to invite me to to play with him at those one-off tournaments that you're talking about 
even prior to Doom. He invited me to, he used to have uh, Tron dodgeball for his birthday and would invite <laughs> me to go to that. Where, where, did you go to any of those? Yeah, I went to a few of those. Yeah, so you remember Tron Dodgeball was so cool, by the way. Um, but he has that ability to welcome people in and to make them feel part of the family. And Nate is just the ultimate encourager as a captain. And uh, there'd be times where uh, if we're playing a tournament and I'm just not feeling my best and getting a bit down on myself, just feeling the pressure being on a team like that and wanting to hold up my end of the bargain he would always come over to me and like encourage me and would never talk down to me or, or yell at me or saying that I'm screwing up or any of that. He always would focus on, you know, the areas that I'm doing right, the encouragement, the come on, let's go. And, and so those two guys, you know, have special leadership capabilities. It's why you see Nate still as, uh, Team USA's captain is he has that that ability and you know Vince on the other side of things like you said Sergio he can bring a group of people together and organize them and I saw that <clears throat> even with uh, Dope which was my co-ed team for 2019 he was able to corral those various personalities in our first round in Phoenix and we won it was the only round that we won before nationals uh, when we ended up winning the national title but uh, he has just like such incredible leadership abilities and uh, has turned into uh, such a great friend and brother. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's definitely one of the captains I try to model myself after as far as like bringing people together and keeping the spirits high, regardless of the stakes and the situation at hand. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting how much as a leader, you don't have to yell at people and put them down and say, what are you doing? Or you're screwing up. There's so many more effective ways to build a team and you know when you're screaming at someone and telling them that they're screwing up or you suck that doesn't really work that's not how you build team chemistry and i think to your point vince and nate both know this and while of course there's times where it's like come on like pay attention it's never personal it's never like attacking uh you on a personal level um, it's always done so much more constructively than I think uh, people give him credit for. Yeah, I, I can say that. I played with Vince on a few le- um, uh, WDS leagues, and yeah, I can say maybe some people would, on the outside looking in, uh, probably don't know him too well. But once you're in, like you, you definitely feel like you're a part of like a connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just a, just a family uh, overall. You know, some team, some teams are teams, and some are family, and that's just. The difference between high low teams and the rest of the pile um so let's kind of like breeze through it I, I know early on i said um prior to you joining doom you were one of the best players not to win a round not to win the national title but let's flash forward your first national title you pop that champagne mark puts that medal on your neck how does that feel it felt like a dream come true you know a lot of you know prayer and you know i'm a man of faith i'm a believer and you know, a lot of prayer went into just becoming the the best dodgeball player that I can be. And for me, for a long time, dodgeball was what I look forward to the most in life. And uh, being able to travel to tournaments and have friends and have these experiences was a dream come true. And, and you know, be a little vulnerable here and say when I moved out in 2007, didn't have very many friends, had some sort of college uh, people that I went to school with out in LA, but 
it really wasn't until I found dodgeball four years later that Los Angeles really started to feel like home. And so the, the when the medal goes on my neck, it's just a culmination of, you know, finding family and finding dodgeball and, and, and friendships and the experiences and that I prayed for just that, you know, the Lord would bring me the, the people in my life who would uh, lead to a, a, a life experience that I could be proud of. And so, uh, you know, as far as dodgeball is concerned, it was just, it was such a blast. It was so fun. And uh, the other guys were kind of teasing me because it was my first one and it was there, you know, third or fourth, who knows? They had so many by that point, but they, they were like, Frankie, baby, how does that feel? How does that feel to have that medal? And I was like, it feels so good, man. It is, uh, it, it's so good to be a part of a team. And, um, you know, sometimes you just got to get out of the way. And when you win a national title, not everybody's going to be the top level thrower. And I learned a lot through that experience that, when you got people like Nate, Justin, and Vince holding the balls, you know, your role is to, to do some other things on the dodgeball court, and you have to be okay with that. And so getting that first national title was a validation of being the team player, passing the ball to the guys who are better than you, and um, you know making those key and clutch, clutch plays when that first tier – you know, Nate, Vince, Justin goes out, then it's on me and Radke and Ish and Cole, uh, you know, to, to step up and, and Terry, by the way, uh, to, to see out the rest of those games. And so it's a total team effort uh, to get to the finish line. So I was incredibly proud of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you would end up doing that, what, two more times? Yeah, two more times. So one, <laughs> a... Uh, co-ed 8.5 with dope in 2019 in Austin. And then, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, with heat, uh, the 2019, uh, open championship, uh, also in Austin. So three times. Damn. <laughs> so you relived a, a lottery winning experience that many times. Um, yeah, it, but it's, you, it's fun. <laughs> but it also comes across as if like you just cherish every single moment. It's not like you're just, you're used to it, but you cherish it like your first. Yeah, and it, to me, that comes across like a championship type of mentality. Like you're just always hungry for more, always hungry to, you know, prove the doubters wrong. And um, that, that's something I wanted to say. Like one of the reasons why I, I, I brought you on for this episode, um, you have that kind of mentality that I think people should hear about. And maybe your name isn't as highly prominent as Vince or Nate uh, or Ketchum, but People, people should know who you are. As far as I'm concerned, I have the platform to, to, to do your legacy some honor, and that's definitely what I hope to do with this episode. So um, kind of like, because <laughs> I know we're kind of strapped for time. Um, so do you have any uh, role models in and out of dodgeball? Yeah, so um, first of all, thank you for what you said about furthering the legacy. I really appreciate that. This has been so kind and encouraging. Um, role models. So let me take this in a, in a couple different directions. Number one, it would be like playing style. Like who would I model my playing style after? And early on, I think watching Vince play and the flash that he had as he uh, played the game and the intimidation factor that he had uh, was something that I thought was um, really, really cool. Uh, that's a bit why I set out to be his friend so that he would want to play with me. And I didn't 
have to play against him too much. Um, but, you know, you see other people like, and I hate to admit it because it goes against every doom instinct in my body, but if you watch <laughs> the way, if you watch the way Tim Fullerton plays the game uh, and the, the, the smart way that he calls plays and, and the guy just does not go out. Uh, he, you can't, I shouldn't say that. He takes every out. <laughs> he is so hard to get out. I, I have to say that he's so hard to get out. And uh, the way he calls plays is just so incredibly smart. So I do admire that. And uh, I've always tried to just watch what the best players do and then copy that. Um, watch Justin Pyon and the way that he pump fakes. It's the most, one of the most deceiving moves in the game. When he gets that ball high up behind himself, you really get thrown into a mental no man's land. It's like, what the heck is this guy about to do? Um, so playing style wise, it's, it's all of those guys that, you know, but it's also watching the way teams play. How did rise counter? Why did they take that shot there? It's film review. It's in, uh, in to uh, heat's credit, Sean and, and Tyler Greer both spend a ton of time uh, watching tape and creating game plans for us uh, as a team. So uh, that's a mix of guys. I know that's not a real direct answer to your question, uh, about you know, who I kind of role model my myself after, but those have been sort of the primary influences in in dodgeball for me. What about out of dodgeball? Uh, out of dodgeball, like I said, I'm I'm a big uh, I'm a faithful believer, so I um, I'm a fan of my pastor, Pastor Jack Hibbs, and um, I I've always liked um, people who have you know a certainty in their beliefs and. Um, you know, far as far as family wise, um, I always admire my grandparents uh, for uh, just the, the way that they, they built their family. And uh, we are all still very close as a family. Um, I'll be going back for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And those traditions are, are tough to maintain as you get older and you start having boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and wives in the pictures and different families. And so my grandpa uh, went up to be with the Lord last May, and so I've been thinking a lot about his legacy and, and uh, you know, what he left behind, and his kids are all still friends, and our, our, you know, his grandkids all still like each other and get together for holidays, and I, I'm realizing more and more how special that is um, in this world. Yeah, um, try not to get choked up here. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, you you have a very positive outlook, um, and definitely some solid role models to to pattern not just your dodgeball game, but just you overall. After um, well, one other sorry, let me add one more role model to that. Go for it. Me, um, Andy Bales, who is the uh, who runs the Union Rescue Mission in downtown Los Angeles uh, for homeless people. Uh, he actually lost a leg from uh, c uh, contracting a disease while while um, tending to our homeless. And I think I've, I've had a heart for the homeless for a long, long time and have paid a lot of attention to that um, organization and, uh, and what he does, Andy Bales, if, if any of you want to Google his name, he's uh, an incredible guy and uh, has a heart for others and the least among us, which I really respect. Um, if you do me a favor, uh, after we're done recording, uh, whenever you can, uh, yeah. can you send me like his like, profile or like something to link him to so i can put it in the comments yeah 
when this airs so people know who he is. All right. Um, so I want to ask you what your pregame ritual playlist is, but I was actually – I want to try something new this year uh, This with this interview. Uh, so I asked some of your teammates um, any, like, little tidbits they wanted me to throw your way, and um, I guess I can say it. Vince asked me to ask you, do you remember what song he played when you were in the bathroom? <laughs> What's the story behind that? Because it seems a little bit uh, random. <laughs> he's he's such a funny guy. <laughs> you look at you look at Vince and you see this like like amazing athlete and he's like an intimidating dodgeball presence, but he's got such a like such an offbeat and funny sense of humor. So I think I was on the toilet in and one of the rounds. And Vince comes in and, and he realizes it's me because he sees I'm wearing my my Doom shoes. And so he sees it's me, I think, in the next stall or whatever. And all of a sudden, he turns his phone on maximum and he's just blasting this song out. Now, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what song it was, but I think it was referencing something going on in the bathroom. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. But he, you know... He has that that sense of humor where, you know, he can make uh, <laughs> he can make you laugh in the weirdest ways. So, what song was it? I don't I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. I'm sure he <laughs> does. I'm sure he does. But I, okay, I, I just don't. you don't remember, but you you remember the moment. Right, I remember the moment. I, when you said that, I was like trying to remember the time it happened. I know what he did, but I don't remember exactly what song it was. All right, fair enough. Um, I'm going to tag him in the comments so he can yeah. fill in the blanks. Um, okay, so definitely going to introduce more of those in the future. Uh, so do you have any uh, pregame ritual before an elite tournament? I, I always like to check in with my guys, and I, it's similar to what uh, you know Vince does with the handshake, but just – you know, checking everyone in, looking them in the eyes and saying, you know, you ready, you ready to go, you ready to do this. And uh, just making sure that everyone has their energy up and is ready to compete and take the moment seriously. You know, we're, we're here to play dodgeball and nothing else matters at this moment. And, you know, if you're in the game and you're distracted by something going on in your personal life or what just happened, you know, to you, you need to forget all that, wipe the slate clean and um, and start playing, focusing on this game. So um, that's my big focus is checking in with each of our guys. I love our huddle uh, where we just talk to encourage each other and and uh, and shout out our team name. And I like to get a few jumps in. I like to get my body loose uh, before we play, um, and then uh, let off a little woo. If, if I'm really I was about to mention that you you do what I call the Super Mario jump, where it's like you're jumping. And trying to hit that crate above your head. It's like you, you jump higher every time, it seems like. Like you're getting looser with each jump. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it. it, it's the details I notice. I'm a nerd. Uh, we, we're past that at this point. And yeah, you're definitely a Ric Flair fan. Uh, That's right. <laughs> what about a pregame playlist? Anything you listen to? I'm not a big music guy beforehand. I, I learned a lot through mindfulness that if. You know, you want to take in your surroundings to feel your feet on the floor, um, to let the sounds come and go. And uh, so I really don't like throw on headphones or or listen to music before I, I play. I 
tend to like to say hello to other people and, and uh, especially people like, like you. And as we've come back like, that I haven't seen in a year or two years, uh, going to the shake it off tournament that Joe DeFourier hosted uh, was special. I got to see some people that I haven't seen in a year and a half. And um, so I take that time to say hi, uh, to get my mind, you know, clear. I, I don't need to focus on, on dodgeball just yet, but once I step on the court and once I'm in that huddle, it's a brand new ball game. Yeah. Well said. All right. So, um, yeah, that, that is kind of weird. You don't listen to music, but I also come across people who are kind of the same way. So I like to say you're kind of like in the minority in that sense. Um, so we're going to go into the crowdsource questions and we're going to kind of extend your story past doom. Uh, Chad Landrum, uh, who I interviewed last week. Um, how were you recruited to play with Arizona Heat? So obviously you won the national title. The last national title with Doom was 2018. It was in Minneapolis, right? No, so we were runners up in uh, Minneapolis. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So that was your last appearance. So how did um, coming over to Heat, how was that? So let me start in the summer after Minneapolis. We're still on Doom and a message comes across uh, the Facebook messenger group for uh, the Doom team. And it's from Nate and it's announcing that him, Ish and Cole were retiring from dodgeball. So, and actually, I don't know that that story has ever been told more widely uh, of how Doom came to retire, but that's how it it, it happened. Uh, Nate wrote a very, uh, very kind message in our, our messenger thread and just said, you know, we're going to step away from elite and, and dodgeball. And, and that has borne out. You see Cole has welcomed a, a beautiful baby girl into his life. And, and Ish, yeah. been, Ish, I don't think has played in another tournament since that day <laughs> and has, you know, great things going on with Sarah. So, uh, uh, and, and Nate has largely stuck to uh, playing one-off tournaments and being a part of uh, U.S. dodgeball and the foam side. So those guys decided to retire. And those of us remaining in Doom attempted to figure out maybe bringing on some new players, but ultimately it just didn't have the same feel. And so um, we decided to, you know, retire Doom and leave it as the dynasty of the greatest dodgeball team that ever played. And so um, I was a free agent yet again. And it's interesting because it's a bit like history repeating itself when I left Riot. Uh, I came into the 2019 season without a open team. And instead, I again had a really good co-ed team. I had dope with Vince, Billy, Tad Delugio, uh, Connor Liu, with our amazing girls, Ashley Cook, Sam Greco, Justine Roberti. So I was feeling pretty confident about playing just one division. And uh, we uh, dope won the first round in Phoenix that year, which was 2019, excuse me, 2018. So it was sort of the same situation as when I got into Doom. I, I went the day before to Phoenix. I watched the open round and kind of let people know that I was available. Not that I was attempting to go one way or the other, but I also didn't know what teams would be good in a post-Doom world. Certainly we knew about, <laughs> certainly we knew about Crisis with Ketchum and Payan and you know, Ryan and Brody and, you know, that whole team, Brett and the rest of the guy, I know Maddox too, uh, and Tad. So those guys were going to be good. Uh, it was remained to be seen about heat because heat had historically been in the, you know, four, five, six range at tournaments. And so 
he finished number one in the round robin that round. And so for round two, Vince, who was on heat, sent me a message and said, hey, we're going to have a couple of guys missing. So again, history repeating itself. <laughs> you know, we're going to have a couple of guys missing. Can you come and join and play with us? And I said, sure. So that was round two, 2019. And um, that was in Phoenix, excuse me, uh, Long Beach. So I played with Heat. And if you'll remember, that was the round where it was uh, game seven for Heat versus um, Rainbows. And it was myself versus Reeve in a one-on-one. And he had all the balls. So um, he throws the first ball, he misses me. And then on the second throw, he stepped over the attack line and he mm. lost the game. Yeah, your reaction there was the exact <laughs> reaction for the whole crowd. It was I saw reaction. that live fade. What's that? I saw the li- somebody had it on their like Facebook Live or something. And then I just remember you couldn't see the line, but like I remember just looking at him step over and just – feeling the cringe just because you couldn't really see the taped lines on the court, but just realizing his reaction, knowing, okay, I know what he did. That was cringe. Yeah. Uh, and, and I actually, after that happened, I gave like a big thumbs down. I was like, Oh, that sucks. Like I wanted to have this one-on-one battle, but I ended I played really well that day uh, with the team. And obviously we won the round. So it was a big wake up call, I guess, to the heat guys internally that, Hey, you know, maybe we should bring, Frankie baby on. So Tyler Greer, who is like basically like my brother, um, came up to me and was, we talked at the venue about 15, 20 minutes after we won the round. He said, so what do you think about coming and joining us for the rest of the year? And I initially said, you know, you got a lot of guys on your team and they did, they were going to constantly be rotating. And so I said, you know, I don't want to come on board if I'm going to be sitting in the finals or the playoffs just because I know me, I'm going to want to be playing and I'm going to be frustrated by that. So I don't want to come on board and mess up your chemistry if that's what's going to happen. And so Tyler said, no, man, you just bring a different element to us with your arm. You know, let me talk to the guys and, you know, we like to try to work it out with you. So I say, okay, we leave the, the venue. Nothing's been fully decided yet. So then Dylan Clark Odin, messaged me the next day and said, Hey man, what do you think about coming to play with us? Like, and I said the same thing, like, I think it's too many guys. And he said, don't worry about that. Like I'll handle it as a captain. And if I need to sit, I will sit. Uh, we just really want you to be on board with us, you know, as a team. And so uh, that reassured me and I was like, okay, I'll come on board. So uh, <laughs> that, that made it official. And I played with uh, officially became a member of heat from that point on. And we went on all the way to win uh, the national championship that year in Austin. And the shank and the champagne bottles keep on popping. All <laughs> right. And with that transition, uh, Dylan Clark Odin, if you, geez, I can't believe if you had to choose between playing round one of a USA premiere or going golfing with the boys, what time should we book our tea time? Yeah. Dylan knows I'm a late morning guy. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a 11 AM, 1130 AM tea tea time type of dude. I like to be out in the heat of the day, pun intended. (laughs) Pun intended. (laughs) Um, But it is a testament to our team chemistry that during a time when there's no dodgeball, we are still attempting to get together and, and play games. And we've done Zoom team meetings with 
you know, Sean, who is in Chicago and, uh, you know, the guys that are spread out, we're all spread out between California, Arizona and, you know, in Sean as well. So, um, the chance for us to go and play golf together is just more chemistry building. It, it, I think it's a testament to our friendships, uh, more so than just being a dodgeball team. And plus golf is just such a beautiful game. You get, you're able to get outside and uh, I'll just tell a quick story on our first golf outing as, as heat uh, myself and Dylan beat, excuse me, the second day, oh, I can't tell this story anymore because I wanted to, to make them look bad, but actually they won and I'm lying. So um, <laughs> no, no. Okay. So we went to, to Phoenix in March and uh, Tyler, it was Tyler and Cedro versus me and Dylan. Uh, and on day one, Tyler and Isidro won. And then on day two, Dylan and I uh, won in the, um, in the scramble. So uh, we found a new way to be competitive with golf, <laughs> but also to get out and and have some drinks and be on the golf course and, and have a blast together. So uh, we've all become, you know, really good friends and, you know, it's, it's more than just dodgeball. So uh, Dylan, let's get on the tee. Let's do a late morning Phoenix. Heat of the day. <laughs> That's what I love. So I was about to say any, any uh, hopes of heat joining the Ryder cup and representing team USA on that end? <laughs> well, We've got some ways to go here. We do have the shirts. I have to tell you that we had custom Nike dry fit polos made and they are. Yeah, I saw fire. that. Those are clean. They're clean. They're fire. They look so good. And so actually Tyler and I are going golfing this Friday together and I'm going to wear the shirt out. Oh um, man. So we've got the uniforms uh, on a, on a skill <laughs> level. On a skill level, we are about as far away as possible from the weather cup. Um, most of my shots nowadays are ending up very far into the trees. Uh, our best golfer, though, you know, Isidro is a great golfer. He's got such a good swing, <clears throat> and he hits the ball a long way. Um, and Dylan is really a, a magic man out of the bunkers. And, um, and Tyler, uh, Tyler's... Tyler's got a great sand wedge too. He's a really good chipper and putter. So, um, it'll, you know, it'll be 20 years or so. And then we can start talking about the Ryder cup. All right. Fair enough. Um, uh, this is a question I just threw in earlier today. What's your favorite college program and why is it Michigan? Michigan Wolverines is where I went to school. I went to U of M Ann Arbor, 2003 to 2007. Oh, wow. Went to football games and hockey games and, I am a, I bleed blue, maize and blue through and through. Well said. I actually didn't know you went to U of M. I thought you were just a fan. Okay. You just got cool, cool points with me. <laughs> <laughs> Where did All you right. go to school? Where did you go? Uh, I, went, I went to MI, Musician Institute out here for sound engineering. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, so what city in Michigan were you from again? Detroit. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So obviously um, you've been a great guest and, someone who's in my in my eyes underrated as a player um and as a man so it's an honor to to share the moment with you but i want to hit you in the gut with this one um what i've been asking everyone the legacy question uh so frank uh how would you like to be remembered once you play your final game i'd like to be remembered as someone who left people off better than they were before that i gave someone a smile or a laugh or a piece of encouragement when they were down if they were feeling like they weren't playing well or just having a rough day i I hope that a hug or a smile or, you know, giving someone an ice pack after you break their thumb 
uh, <laughs> made their day. And um, I recognized that as a younger guy, I was super aggro and getting angry all the time. And eventually I matured and grew out of that. And I just pray. I pray for, for everybody every day that, um, that good things would happen and that, um, you know, we would all continue to get a, get a chance to come back together again. And I, I hope that people will remember me as such. Yeah. Um, I would say as far as your legacy goes with me, um, I can easily say you're underrated because you play in a talented pool. That is the West. Um, I'd even make the argument that if you were played in the South or in the North or in the East, you'd be rated higher, but we're in a, we're in a shark infested pool out here in the, in the West. So it is what it is. But as a man, yeah, you've had your aggro moments, but I always attributed that to just it being sport. You know what I mean? Just yeah. stuff on the sport. Like you, at least with me, you never said anything that crossed any lines. Um, yeah. Were you aggro towards me at some point? I'm sure. I'm sure you have, but it, I mean, moments like that don't really last unless you cross a certain line with me. Um, but overall you're, you're just a positive person, man. Um, it, you're just, you're just a great man. And some of the, a lot of the values I see in Vince and I see in Nate, I also see in you. Um, you're just a great leader, a great ambassador for the sport. And you went from someone who weren't, wasn't popping champagne bottles to someone who, whether you're on heat, dope, echo, uh, you said hive. Um, hopefully I hope to see you pop more bottles out here in the West, man. Cause out of all the people I know from a perspective, just being a great person, you deserve many more of those moments, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I can't wait to get back on. on the and, um, you know what, you, if you're, if you're free and available and if you'd like to go golfing, yeah, hit me up, man. I'd love to do that too. <laughs> if you're 20 years behind in the Ryder cup, I'm like 50. Let's just, <laughs> I'll, I'll hold the beers. I'll, I'll, I'll pass out the cold ones for you guys. Um, maybe I'll, I'll buy my own little polo or whatever, but yeah, I'll be the one passing the cold ones. That's a great what, job. I mean, that's or, a great or, job. Or what is it? What do they call those people? Caddies. I'll be the caddy. Like, whatever you need, I'll grab for you. Uh, yeah, no. Golf, I got to learn before I even think about it. <laughs> awesome, brother. Well, appreciate you so much. Thank you for such the kind things that you said. This was eye-opening for me. I, It's interesting when you sit down and you have kind of a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with someone that you don't realize the effect that you have on them or the stories that they remember. And so this has been... Really, really cool. I appreciate you. Well, before I sign off, I want to let you know, um, out of 170 countries, 150 are going to hear your story, brother. That's amazing. That's so, so cool. <laughs> All right. And that was my interview with Frank Majorana. Frank, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story. I also wanted to elaborate on what his legacy means as far as I'm concerned. Um, Frank is one of the most humble uh, players I know. He definitely has some swagger to him, and rightfully so. And um, yeah, uh, if the rankings were to return, he would definitely be considered a higher ELO player than where he is. Uh, personally, I think he's underrated, but only because the fact that he plays in the West, there's a lot of sharks here. Um, so there's no shame in that. But from the bottom of my heart, I'm very honored to share his story with you guys. And um, may he continuously pop more champagne bottles <laughs> in the championship rounds and um, yeah, uh, stay tuned for my next interview. My next interview will be from Leamington Spartans, David Poole. Uh, definitely something I've been trying to set up for a long time. And um, 
yeah, man, let's let's keep the good content going. I'm planning to extend season five all the way up to March. So, <laughs> yeah, lengthy goal to have at least 100 episodes plus in the very least. Um, if, you, if you've listened up until this point, thank you so much and have a wonderful day.